Bob and Penny took early retirement from their jobs in the Northeast five years ago when he was 59 and she was 51. Now they live in Punta Gorda, Florida, where they cruise on their 30-foot trawler, play softball, and collect shells. That's a tragedy, and there are people in this country that are spending billions of dollars to get you to buy it. The American dream, a nice house, a nice car, a nice job, a nice family, a nice retirement, collecting shells as the last chapter before you stand before the creator of the universe to give an account with what you did. Here it is, Lord, my shell collection. And look at my boat. Look at my boat, God. So over the holidays, we were, um, you know, doing the holiday thing. We were at home one night, and I don't know what hit me, but it was the wrong time apparently, but I decided to clean out our pantry. And I don't know how that works at your house. Uh, Shelly was like, okay, maybe you started because like we, I don't know if I couldn't put the paper towels in there or something. I was like, okay, this shelf has got to get reorganized right now. And so that was fine. But then that shelf, I'm compulsive. So that went to the second shelf and the third shelf. And then we're going to go to all the shelves. And then we're going to take everything out. We're going to wipe down all the crumbs that have ended up in the bottom and the residue from the broom that hangs on the back of the door to the pantry. And it just turned into the most amazing evening because this kind of stuff fires me up. Are there anybody in the house with me on that? Anybody, when I say that, you're like, don't talk about the pantry. I don't want to think about it right now. Try to keep those doors closed. Um, so what, we have a, a drawer in there that has the canned goods on it. And in our house, you know, based on your diet, you have a certain palette of canned goods in there. We have about nine different things on the canned good drawer, and there's a lot of soup in there. We don't eat a lot of soup, but we have a lot of soup because everyone has a lot of soup <laughs> just in the event that there's a, you know, some sort of a, a, a cosmic event and you need to go down in the basement, you'll always have some soup or if you're not feeling well. So we typically have chicken noodle soup and tomato soup at our house, and that's it. So I'm looking through the soup. It all looks good, looks fine. And, but then I, I had to stop because I honestly didn't know. And you're going to think, great, this is something you should have known. I thought soup was like pretty much durable from now to whenever. I just assumed <laughs> if it's soup in a can, it's been pasteurized, and it's okay. But I thought, maybe I should look and just see if that's the case or not. So I started turning the cans over. And lo and behold, soup has an expiration date. Did, some of, did you know that already? So you might want to check when you get home. So I'm pulling all the soup out. I have it all on the kitchen counter. And I started looking at the bottom of all these cans. And it was a, a mixed bag of a decade's worth of soup history <laughs> in that deal. No kidding. So I got one can of chicken noodle soup. Uh, expires September the 14th, 2009. Okay, here's what it means about that. That can has lived in two pantries, two different houses, two different addresses, and is still in the pantry. 
So in the can, it goes with a lot of other cans, unfortunately, that were way past their expiration date. And you know, I mean, you'll eat stuff that's a month past the expiration date or maybe a year, depending on how desperate you are. But 2009, we're not eating that. So it's in the can. <laughs> and I'm thinking these wonderful people, they made this soup. They went to great lengths to put good quality in the can. They canned the soup. They labeled it well. They got it to a store near my house. We bought it, brought it home, but now it's just a waste is what that can is. It's in the trash, never having been opened, never having been used. It may have brought some cheer on a gloomy day or perked someone up who had had a nasty cold, but no, it's just going to go in the bin and then out to the street and in the dumpster and wherever trash goes in Atlanta, Georgia, that can of soup is residing right now. Never having reached the potential that it was designed for. And here's what's amazing about that. All of our lives have an expiration date on them. And so just like the meat in the refrigerator right now, just like the fruit that's in the bowl on the counter, just like the, the cake maybe that you have in the cake stand in the kitchen, all of us have an expiration date. So that's why it's important for us in these few weeks together to embrace the idea that we are perishable goods. That we're created by God with an opportunity on earth, but to maximize that opportunity Versus to waste that opportunity means making some adjustments in the way that we think about our lives. And that's why there's no better way to open up this series than to let John Piper do it himself. We've stolen his title, Don't Waste Your Life. If you want a good read for the new year, a simple John Piper read, a, a, a primer, if you will, for John Piper, because a lot of his books are, are a lot like reading the uh, instruction manual on how to build an international space station. And so this, this one is a lot more accessible to all of us, and the book is called Don't Waste Your Life. It is a version in print of the message he gave at One Day 2000, 16 years ago, at a significant moment in the history of passion. And all he is trying to say is what we're trying to say today, that we have a brief opportunity on earth and we must make the most of it. There are two key scriptures today, Ephesians chapter 5 and 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 6. And I want to look at this text first in Ephesians chapter 5 because it really helps us hone in on the opportunity that we have. Now, both these texts are going to be bookends to a, a beautiful idea today, but we'll just begin with this one. Ephesians is a letter to believers. It opens with their new position in Christ. We did a series called Label Maker, which basically opened up the opening of the letter of Ephesians. So first, it, it tells us who we are in our new relationship in Christ. Then Ephesians moves on to help us see how to live in that new relationship with Christ and how to actually walk that out in our lives. So it's not enough just to say, I'm a can of soup by the grace of God. It really is enough when we reach our full potential and do what it is that we were created in Christ to do. And at the end of Ephesians, it gets very specific so that we move away from all the, the church talk, which is important, but then we get it down into the practicality of what would this look like 
to be a new creation in Christ, a son or daughter in Christ with a whole new possibility because of Christ, what would that look like in practical terms? And so when we get to chapter 5, it gets real specific. No longer is it about being heirs and about being holy ones and about being righteous. It's now getting down to how we walk out our lives. And this chapter opens with a beautiful invitation of grace. It says, be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. That opening phrase is, a, is an incredible invitation to you and me. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. So as we think in these next few weeks about not wasting the opportunity that God has given to us, we're thinking about it in terms of being children of God, having this incredible gift of God, and wanting to imitate our Father. So he begins in chapter 5 to roll out what imitating God looks like in this present day. So if you want to know what it looks like to, to imitate God in Atlanta, Georgia, in real time, that's Ephesians chapter 5. And as we come to the end of this first major section, we read this, beginning in verse 15. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And then he gives a, a parallel to maybe help us see in the real world what that looks like in principle. And so he adds, and he says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Another word in text sometimes there in translations is dissipation. And another word could be waste. So, so don't get drunk. He says, for one thing, I want you to make sure you make the most of your time because the days are evil. Don't be foolish, but understand what God's will is. Let me give you a picture of that. Don't get drunk. Why? Because that's a waste of your opportunity of life. So if anybody wants to get into a conversation about, well, could I have a glass of wine? Or what if I had a glass of champagne at a reception? Or I was at a barbecue and I had a beer. And can you do that and follow Christ? You know, you, you can find a, a lot of ways to skin that in Scripture. But here's one thing that's absolutely clear. Don't get drunk. So if you're drunk, you're out of God's will. End of story. Why? Because when you're drunk, you can do a lot of crazy things. In fact, maybe you've done some crazy things when, when you were drunk. Drunk people do crazy things. But the one thing you can't do when you're drunk is glorify God. And so whatever time you're drunk, you're not glorifying God. And if you're not glorifying God, whatever time that was, was wasted time. And that's the parallel he uses for life. So he puts it in some terms that we all can get our heads around to say, you've been given something called life. It has an expiration date on it. You have an expiration date on you. There's a moment coming, a day and time, written already in God's economy, that your life on earth comes to an end. You have a moment to live and a moment already predetermined to die. Make the most of your 
moment. Some people call it the dash. It's that little, that little symbol between the year and date that we were born and the year and date that we're going to die. And they say, what are you going to make of the dash? And so he says, don't be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. So the daisy says are decaying. You are a perishable good. Make the most of every opportunity. And so over the next few weeks, we'd like to maybe break this down into some areas of life that we have the tendency to waste. And today, we begin with this big idea, don't waste your health. So life's a big concept. It's hard to put your hands around life. When I say, God, I'm going to give you my life, that, that's a good sentiment, and, and we do mean it, but life is a big thing. Even a new year is a big thing to say, boy, 2017 is going to be my year. Well, you know, that sounds pretty good on January, the, you know, the whatever, but once you get down to like October 9th, most of that has faded away. Why? Because a year is too big to put your arms around. But a day, today, is an opportunity that we have to recalibrate the direction we're going in, to make sure that we end up in an extraordinary destination. And today I like to just talk about this idea that it's possible that we could waste this amazing gift called health. And for us to hear God encouraging us today, don't waste your health. I read recently and heard uh, from a friend that backed this up, that in the United States, 40 to 50% of all healthcare costs, think about this just for a moment, are lifestyle related. So whatever happens to the Affordable Health Care Act and however all that's going to navigate, that's going to be headlines for the next few months of life, put this on the headline. 40% of the billions of dollars that are spent every year on drugs, doctor visits, um, procedures, surgeries, care, rehabilitation are not related to a non-controllable illness. They're related to the decisions that we make in our lifestyle. And just think about that. How many days are we losing by lifestyle choices and how much money is the nation losing by lifestyle choice? What could we as a nation do with 40% of the budget spent on health costs this year to lift people in this nation and around the world to rebuild our nation and to become a, a place where children can see a future in our country? You say, well, I don't know how we could do that. We could do that by not wasting our health. See, that the stakes are high on a global level and they're high on a personal level because you just get one life and I just get one life and how we use it and what we do with it is really in our hands to decide today. Now, God knows the day that we all are gonna end our life and their circumstances health-wise that a lot of us cannot control and we're not in complete control of how many days we live on planet Earth, but we are very much in control of the decisions that we make every day to either preserve or to waste our health. And it might possibly be the greatest gift apart from Christ that God has given to each one of us. So don't be foolish, but understand, Paul said, what the will of the Lord is. In other words, don't 
get drunk with this amazing thing called health. But calibrate today, even if it's a little adjustment that will help lead you to a different and hopefully an extraordinary destination. So I want to talk about a few big ideas that are going to help us make these directional changes in our lives. So if there's anybody in the building, and I'm not going to ask for a show of hands because I don't really want to get into that, but is anybody already thinking that you want to get healthier this year? Is anybody thinking that already? Now, fortunately, we're at the 9.30. This is probably going to lose steam by the time we get to the 5 o'clock. But the 9.30, at least I think I've got a chance in here because there's some people my age in here. And that's all you're thinking about this year is I need to get healthier. A lot of you are at that age thinking, I'm, I'm fine. I'm going to be fine. I'm going to live as long as I want to live and do whatever I want to do and eat whatever I want to eat. And that's great. Uh, just wait till you get to, to my stage of life and then your body will start, you know, talking back to you at some point and telling you it's not going to work out exactly the way you thought it was going to work out. But if you want to get healthier this year, and I do, this is a personal message for me. I want to be healthier this year. And if you want to get on that direction, you've got to make some incremental changes, but it starts with a few big ideas. And the first one is this, that we would commit to steward well the trust of life God has given us. That you and I would commit today that I want to make whatever necessary incremental directional shift to steward well the gift of life God has given me. That's what we see in the text that we're looking at today. In 1 Corinthians 6, we see it said a different way. And this text also has a very practical uh, picture so that we're not left in the dark as to what the author means. He says in verse 18, flee from sexual immorality. Now, let me take some time to explain what that means. That was a joke. <laughs> Some of you were like, okay, I'm ready. It means run away from sexual immorality. That's what it means. Like get in the car, lock the doors, put your foot on the gas, and drive in the opposite direction with the windows up and the sunroof roof closed. While you have a friend on the phone saying, I'm driving fast as I can. And so this is a picture we all can quickly understand. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. So, so if you want to waste your health, sexual immorality is a great option to do that, according to God. And then he amplifies, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. So the connection is very clear, but you can also break the verses apart and have just as much truth in the last verse. 
Therefore, honor God with your body. Why? Because you were bought with a price. That's how you're alive. So couple the two passages together. Be imitators of God as dearly loved children. How did you become a child of God? By spiritual birth. What did you have to do with the spiritual birth? Really nothing other than receiving it by faith in Christ. You, you didn't produce the birth. You didn't somehow manufacture the birth. The birth was a gift from God, a birthright from God in grace. So we're alive spiritually, sons or daughters in Christ. We're free spiritually from sin, guilt, and shame being bought by God. So we're birthed by God and bought by God. We are birthed by God and bought by God. Therefore, our health is a stewardship from God. And we have to grab that big idea. See, a lot of people aren't rolling into the new year going, man, I got to get healthier because you know what? I have an amazing, miraculous body on loan from God. And I'm going to, as John Piper said so clearly, give an account to God for what I did with my life. But I'm also going to give an account to God for what I did with my health. See, we think we're going to get to heaven and say, I didn't do any of the big sins. And he's going, I know, but you didn't take care of this amazing thing I gave you called health. And that's why you're standing here today. Cut short in your opportunity to impact the nations for Christ. And so we have a stewardship from God. And we have to remember, this is crazy, that we're going to stand before God and give an account for the fact that we got a heart, a miracle heart, a miracle mind, miracle lungs, miracle hands, miracle feet, miracle eyes, miracle ears, miracle Gift of health from God on this earth. Every one of us walking miracles today. The second big idea is that we're just going to have to take serious the approach to the steps it will take to recalibrate our destination. So this isn't going to be like a milk toast, feel good message. At some point, somebody in this building today has to say, I'm making a decision that the path I'm on is unacceptable to me, and I'm going to alter course, recalibrate my course. I'm going to get serious about whatever steps I'm going to have to take. I I was thinking a few days ago about Jesus, who was God, the creator, came onto earth in a human body, set out then to make himself known as the Messiah, and then die on a cross. And before he did all of that, the scripture tells us he went out into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights and fasted alone with God. And I I just was convicted of that because, you know, you hear about a lot of people starting off 2017 with a fast. There's a 21-day fast. Some people are doing the 20-day fast. Some people are just doing the I fasted yesterday fast. But people are thinking, how, how can I start this year, and, and we're like, I don't know, that's a big commitment to start a brand new year by fasting for 21 days. And I thought, the, the Son of God himself fasted for 40 days and 40 nights before he did the first thing on earth to fulfill his purpose for which God had sent him. Jesus took so seriously the mission that God had given him on earth that he put his body under extraordinary pressure and his spirit 
to seek God and to seriously set the direction of his life. The scripture says in a different place that Jesus had his face set like stone toward Calvary. How do you get your face set like stone toward Calvary? I I, I think probably 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness and then the devil showing up on the last day will probably do that for you. It says he returned from the wilderness in the power of the Spirit. And so Jesus is is sort of showing me today, look, you, you, you just can't sit back, you know, having another vanilla latte which is mostly about the vanilla, honestly, because I don't need coffee and don't drink it to wake up in the morning. I'm not a coffee drinker, but I do like vanilla lattes. Ice would be, be fantastic. Just make sure you squirt a lot of whatever that stuff is in the bottom before you put it in there, because the latte to me is irrelevant. And if it was acceptable in America to just go in and say, squirt some of the vanilla syrup in a cup and give me that, that's what I would order. And so the funny part of this is somebody is watching this message, drinking a vanilla latte, going, oh, man, I like the straw down at the bottom. And once that layer is done, I'm kind of done. You can't be sitting back with a a venti ice vanilla latte for the fifth day this week going, man, I really going to make some health choices this year. I'm going to journal. I got my journal out, my pen. Lord, what would you like me to do this year? to recalibrate for a more extraordinary destination. Speak to me, Lord. I'm listening. Your servant is here. What what would some things be that I could do this year to maybe adjust course a little bit? Drink for Louie? Vinte vanilla latte? The Holy Spirit's like, I can't help you. Why don't you read a book? <laughs> It'll be called The Comeback, because you're going to need one. <laughs> so there's a seriousness about it. We live in a Pinterest culture, and everybody's pinned your board with all the things that you're dreaming about. And that's great. Dreams are important. But action is more important than a Pinterest board filled with all the great living rooms in the world. Some point you have to take a step. You have to decide this is important. And I'm gonna have to pony up with a little bit of tenacity about this because my unredeemed flesh is not participating with my view of the stewardship God has given me called Life And so I need to make a change. You know, it's interesting. This has been quoted a million times, but it was said so well uh, by Andy. He said, direction, not intention, determines destination. Direction, not intention, determines destination. That would be another great New Year's read. Don't waste your life, the principle of the path, too easy to access, simple, small books that you can actually read in a short period of time. 
will really reinforce what God is saying. So, so we're not going to sit back and go, I really want to be healthy. I really want to get in better shape. I really want to lose some weight. I really want to get my blood pressure down. I really want to sleep a little bit better at night. We're not going to just intend to have a better view of health. We're actually going to have to shift the direction of the things involved in our lives. The pilots say that if you shift your directional your direction by one degree, so you're, you're aiming at you know, that spot, but you just go off target by one degree. For every mile you fly, you go 92 feet off course. And that's the problem, I think, with life. So for me, if I go off by one degree and leave my house and come to 515, I still pretty much gonna hit the parking lot because I live very close to here. If I go to the airport uh, from my house and I'm off by one degree, I'm only gonna be a third of a mile from the airport. I'll probably be able to see the planes landing and know how to get to the terminal. But if I fly from here to Los Angeles and I'm off by one degree, I'll be 40 miles off the airport when I get there. In one degree, most of us aren't off by one degree. A lot of us are off by about 55 degrees. But if I fly to L.A. and I'm just off five degrees, I'm 200 miles from L.A. when I get there. See, it's that little shift of direction that's going to help us get where we want to go. And we have to take that shift seriously. So I'm asking you today, what recalibration can you make? to start aiming you over time to a different destination. And are you willing to do that? The third big idea is that we have to connect. Now this is, I think this has got some real power in it, but it's kind of like sleeper power. So hang in there for a minute. I'll try to dig it up for us. You and I have to connect our healthy choices to God's glory in and through our lives. So it's not enough to say, I want to get healthy this year. We've got to connect our health to God's glory in our life. So here's what I'm saying. It's not just God help me get healthier this year for my sake. It's help me get healthier this year for your sake, not just for what you can do to me, but what you can do through me. So I'm not just saying I'd like to feel better. I'm saying I'd like for you to actually be able to use me more on planet Earth. So I'm going to start getting healthier. Because I'm connecting now my health and my lifestyle choices with my availability and usability to God in his kingdom. What a powerful opportunity that is to come back to that Ephesians 5 I mean, this passage is so old. Don't get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, or that's dissipation, another translation says, or that's a waste. Dissipation means a waste. You know what happens when something dissipates? It just evaporates. It just squanders itself away. And that's what he's saying. Don't waste your life. And so in present-day terms, we are so like on our hermeneutics when someone says, we got wasted after the game last night. And you're like, that's very biblical right there. That is very good biblical Greek exegesis right there. You did get wasted because what you did was you disconnected for a little while from your opportunity for God to use you in this world. And we don't just get wasted on 
being drunk. We get wasted on a myriad of things in our lives. And when we do, we disconnect our purpose on earth from our opportunity in this moment to choose well what it is and how we want to set the direction of our lives so what would it look like for you and me to not waste our health? Let me put the big idea up here. It would, you don't waste your health by making the necessary choices to extend your influence for Christ. So I want you to think about that for a moment. Just give it a look. That's how you don't waste your health. You make the necessary changes that you have control over. Some of them you don't. You've got genetics hereditary things, stuff that you don't have control over, but whatever you do have control over, you make the necessary choices to extend your influence for Christ in this world. What what are you saying? You're saying, I want to live longer so that I can reach more people. I want to have more energy so I can actually be more involved with what God wants me to do. I want to spend less time chasing doctors as a result of my decisions and more time chasing after the kingdom of God as a result of my decisions. Or I just want to look better, feel better, and have a better attitude about life because that's a light in this world. And people will ask you, man, you look good. Man, you seem like you're in good shape. You, you, feel, you look like you feel good. How do you do that? And in that moment, you're able to say, I do that because I've given God control of my life because this is a gift from him and I want him to use me the fullest in this world. That's a different narrative than even the narrative of healthy lifestyle in the church. This is crazy to me because the narrative of healthy lifestyle in the church is not the glory of God. It's the glory of the cleansed. Oh, have you heard about this cleanse? It's amazing. You drink cayenne pepper for nine months and it you lose weight. You feel better. You've got to try it. I'm going to text it to you today. I'll help you get the ingredients. I've done it five times. Do the, you know, the lime juice and not the lemon juice. It says you can do either, but the lime's way better than the lemon. And now at the end of the day, the buzz is about the cleanse. The buzz is about the diet. The buzz is about we're all getting healthy. The buzz is about the lights come on and the kingdom comes down. And everybody is like, Wow. I said to him, if it ever gets like you really feel like the Lord's in it, just bump the lights and we'll all feel it right in that moment. So that must have been the spot right there. And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, this is, this is the little subtle things of the enemy. At the end of the day, all the glory went to the healthy lifestyle choice. Instead of saying, yeah, we did the cleanse. Why? Man, we just want to feel, we want to be better better position to live the kind of life God wants us to live this year. That's just a tiny shift that is about the size of Mount Everest in terms of importance and meaning in our lives. Because the fuel we need is a bigger purpose than just I look better and I I can take a selfie now in the mirror I feel better about, you know, being seen without a shirt on. I don't have to suck my stomach in the entire time I speak. 
You're like, well, there's a few times you hadn't sucked it in, so if your goal is the entire time you didn't hit that. You know, the goal has got to be bigger than that. And the goal is to connect to the glory of God. How do you not waste your health? By making the necessary choices to extend your influence for Christ. So let's break it down. You may need to lose weight. Amen? Anybody? Anyone here? So I have a, a doctor. That's where some of this is coming from. I'm taking my angst out in this message. Um, who, check this out, who's more committed right now to my extending my influence for Christ than I am. And I thank God for him. He said, am I annoying you? I said, no, I think you're sent by the, the Spirit of God to me. A little annoying, but mostly sent by the Spirit of God. And sometimes the Spirit of God can be annoying in a good way. And so he said, you got to lose weight. And I said, okay. He said, I'm a very, you know, like, okay, that's great. I said, so how much would you like me to weigh? Because I will weigh that much the next time he sees me. If I have to wait and see him in October, that's fine. But I... <laughs> I was like, how much do you think, how much, how much do you want me to weigh? Because I know how much I just weighed on that scale out in the hall, which is not accurate. Um, but, so that's a whole other thing about whether they can get a good scale or not. Because the healthcare system is broken in this country, people. And I'm telling you, it starts with the scales. And they calibrated those things up because we're on our heels before they even walk in the room. Like, you need to lose weight because we turned the scale up 15 pounds before you got here. I said, how much do you want me to lose? He said, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to give you a number. And I was like, give me a number. He said, I'll give you a number. If you can pinch more than an inch of fat on your stomach, then you need to lose weight. <laughs> I excelled in debate in college. And I said, is that sitting down or standing up? Because <laughs> when I stand up and hold one hand above my head and hang off of a jungle gym bar, I can only pinch about one inch. So I, I just am trying to be real so that anybody here can go, um, okay, I, I, I should lose a little weight. Well, Louis, how much do you want me to lose? Well, I'm just telling you on behalf of one of the leading cardiologists in Atlanta, I, I want you to pinch less than an inch. It's like, oh. Don't do it right now. It'll deflate you for the ending, and the ending's good. So I'm, a few practical thoughts. I need to lose weight. Well, how much weight do you need to lose a week? Because you can't lose all that weight at one time. And how's that going to work for you? Secondly, I need to exercise more. Maybe that's what someone's thinking. So how much per week do you want to exercise? And who knows about it? 
I need to see a doctor. Some of you are sitting here right now going, I have put off seeing the doctor for that very reason. You just talked about the scales are all jacked up. I don't want to hear what he has to say. I already know what he's going to tell me, and that's why I'm not going in there because I don't want to pay him to tell me I'm not healthy. So when can you make the appointment that you've been putting off? And who can be in the loop who can help hold you accountable to that? Fortunately, this guy I'm talking about is persistent, and he just wouldn't let me off the hook. I need to go to bed earlier. That could be a practical step for you to connect a choice to God's glory in your life. I need to lower my blood pressure. I need to quit smoking. I need to limit my alcohol consumption. I need to be more intentional about what I eat and when I eat. Amen? I need to go to rehab. That's the only way I'm going to get healthy. And that one step, which going to rehab, you know, isn't like a, a million mile change. It's a one step change from saying no to saying yes. You're like, well, you have to be off work and they might not want me to come back and I don't have time to go to rehab and I can't afford it and I already did that one time and it didn't work and all the other reasons why. But I think maybe when you went last time, it wasn't about stewarding well what God had entrusted to you. It might not have been about taking seriously your opportunity to shift your direction for an extraordinary eternal outcome. And it may not have been about you connecting your healthy choices with God's ability to work through your life and get glory through your life. Those are big changes going into rehab. And I know a lot of people going into rehab, you don't have the ability to process that clearly. But maybe you do, and if you do, it'll be a game changer. And then lastly, number four, connect spirit power with lifestyle choices. Connect spirit power with lifestyle choices. Two interesting things about these passages we looked at is that Ephesians says, don't be drunk with wine, for that's a waste, but be filled with the spirit. So the connector to, be careful how you live, not as unwise but wise, making the most of every opportunity. Don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. All of the key to that is being filled with the Spirit. Then you go over to 1 Corinthians 6, flee sexual immorality. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You're not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. So there's a connection in both passages to the opportunity we have to tap into the Holy Spirit of God to help us make lifestyle choices. So we're not just gritting our teeth and holding on for dear life and saying, man, I'm gonna make this work. No, we're realizing that the outcome of our lives is the product not just of our willpower, but it is the product of God's Holy Spirit power. So even a little thing like maybe I don't need to eat big meals after XYZ time at night, maybe I need to start talking to the Holy Spirit about that and accessing his help, which is available to me to get out of bed and go walk three miles or to put down the cigarettes and say, I'm going to find a different path 
have to help or whatever decision there is that needs to be made. We have the access in our hands of spirit power to make these decisions. And then just one last text to wrap. It says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 that there is a great connection between mind, body, and spirit. In other words, there's not a disconnection between your relationship with God and your relationship with exercise. They're very much connected together. There's not a disconnect from what you think to the way you exercise. Your thinking has been proved to be improved by exercise. Your spiritual disciplines will mirror your physical disciplines. And if you're out of shape physically, I bet you're out of shape spiritually. Because we are woven together, mind, body, and spirit by God. So our, our choices we're making in help are going to affect the way we think and the product of our thinking. And they're going to also affect our spiritual health. And the same way the choices we are making for our spiritual health are going to impact our physical health. It's really one story. That's what he writes at the end of 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you. That is to make you everything that God has made you to be and intended you to be. May God himself sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we're doing all this under grace so that nobody has to walk out today feeling like you're under law. Oh, great, man. I'm so glad I went to this new series kickoff because now I feel like I've got all this pressure and all this law falling down on me. It's not about that. It's really about living in grace because the scripture says whether, whether you eat or whether you drink, do it all to the glory of God. So if you can not exercise to the glory of God, then go for it. If you can keep eating fried chicken lunch four days a week to the glory of God, have at it. If you can do everything in the world to undermine your sleep quality, namely stare at your phone for an hour before you try to go to sleep, then if you can do all that for the glory of God, do it. But if you can't do it for the glory of God, let grace lead you. And that's the power of the gospel, to step into a new year and say, I just want to make choices that extend my influence for Christ on earth. So that when I stand before him, I won't say, I got here way too early because I smoked three packs of cigarettes a day my whole life and cut short my opportunity to be available to you. And whenever we make those connections, no matter what it is, we are on the grace road <laughs> to not wasting our health and in turn not wasting our life. Probably the most important component of it all today is that you have an idea of what you wanna recalibrate right now. And so I'm going to give you 30 seconds to write down what God has been pressing on your heart for the last few minutes. You can write it with a pen 
or a pencil, the four of you that have those, or you can type it in the notes on your phone. But something, I, I, I have no doubt, something like a laser probably dropped right into your world, way more specific than anything I've even said today. And I'd love for you just to write it down. And if you have uh, your phone in front of you, to put it in the notes would be great, or to text it to yourself. If anybody else does that, that's the way I keep up with half of my brain. I just text stuff to myself. But the, the reason is not some big thing, I need to be healthier. I, I doubt that's what the Holy Spirit said to you today. I imagine it's more specific than that. And I'd love for you just to write it down because even writing six words down helps us focus. And then later today, I'm going to encourage you to think about texting that, what you just wrote down to somebody. And say, at the end of church this morning, this is what God was talking to me about. And I'm already at a loss if I don't say this to somebody. So I'm not asking you to sign up to be my accountability partner today. I just need you to know that this is what God stirred in my heart. I don't want to waste my health. And for me, that means X. You got it? I can see too many people writing, but a few of you are. You might just want to think about it for a minute. But that's the kind of incremental steps we're talking about. Well, Louis, what good will it do to write it down? It'll do more good than not writing it down. What, what good will it do to text it to somebody? A lot more good than not texting it to somebody. It's the incremental steps that recalibrate our path. And then lastly, while we're thinking that through still, the most important step today for someone here about not wasting your life is by giving your life to Christ. Is to realize that you were created by God. You're not on earth entitled to anything because your very life is a gift from God. You have no entitlement. None of us do. We are all the beneficiaries of a gift called life. The problem is, is that with our lives, we disobey God. And when we do, spiritually, we die. And the only way to fix our spiritual health is to be born again in the grace and forgiveness of God through Jesus Christ.